0: Alrighty, let me welcome you to the live stream services of South Valley Baptist Church right here in Cuna, Idaho. I want to thank you for uh, joining with us today. Look forward to what God's going to give us through his word. Sort of excited about our last uh, opportunity to uh, uh, put out a message. We had people, just dear friends of ours from South Korea that were watching, uh, friends down in Jacksonville, Florida, and Georgia, Alaska, and different places. So Isn't this a great technology to be able to use during these times to just sort of uh, uh, reach out to people and connect with them? And so we're glad you're here. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I want to I want to greet not only our visitors and friends uh, across uh, the nation, but I want to I want to welcome our members. We have been praying for you. I want you to know that I'm I'm praying for you and your family by name and uh, just asking God to protect you and watch over you and uh, so we love you. I also wanna say that if you have any needs, if there anything that perhaps maybe you're running low on essentials or something and you can't get those, if you'll let us know, then uh, we, we've we got some folks, not just the staff, we're willing to get in and, and help you and, and be blessed by doing that. But we have people that have contacted me that that have a little bit maybe of a surplus of one thing or another and uh, they're reaching out and that's what a church does it allows uh, these times to be a time of of, uh, um, ministering to others Uh, and so if you have a need don't hesitate to send me a text or contact us through our Facebook uh, uh, program and app and just just reach out any way you can and we'll be glad to help you and not only not only should we reach out to each other but we ought to look out for others our uh, staff and and uh, church family uh, ought to be looking to other people in a grocery store, wherever you might be. Have a kind word and a and uh, just a smiling face to other people, and and uh, try to try to find folks that may need your help and may need a word of encouragement, and let's use that time. Uh, that God gives us in those circumstances to be a blessing to other people. Now, I need you to pray for some folks, if you will. Uh, I want you to pray for Carissa. She has had surgery on her legs, and so she, we were planning on having special music today, and uh, she won't be able to do that. Uh, she's in quite a bit of pain, so if you'll remember to pray for her, I know that she would appreciate that. Uh, and then, many of you have asked me about my nephew. Uh, Zach Philiber. I talked with Zach this morning, and he's doing better. He's improved, has not gotten back the test results yet from his uh, coronavirus test, and it's a little bit uh, uh, delayed in doing that here in America. I I heard yesterday on the news that they have a test that will take about 45 minutes uh, to get the results back, so they're trying to get that out to everybody and perfect that, so we'll see how that works, but pray for Zach. He is doing better, and very much appreciates your prayers for him and wanted me to express that to you. Also pray for Pastor Kenny Baldwin. Brother Kenny is one of the great preachers of our nation. God has used him in such a great way. <clears throat> he does have the coronavirus and uh, has been hospitalized. He is doing better and uh, improving, uh, but very much in need of your prayers. So I hope that you'll do that. And there's, you know, as you as you listen to the news and Uh, Get updates. You'll hear of people uh, that have it. Take the time, like Sean Payton, uh, the head coach for uh, the the New Orleans Saints and the National Football League. Sean has it, and I've certainly prayed for him. I don't know his spiritual relationship to Jesus Christ, but these are great opportunities to pray that God would minister and help. The family in New Jersey who lost three members and and two more of them are sick, I, I just pray for them. Pray for God's mercy and grace. And then I'm praying for pastors around our state, dear friends of mine, and all over America, just, just praying for them. You realize that though this is a difficult time for us, do you know how much of the word of God has been sounded out over live stream from cities and uh, towns, look, nooks and crannies? All over this nation and all over the world, people are reaching out through live stream and YouTube and other mediums of communication and 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 the Word of God is going out. There are people that are tuning in that might not attend uh, a traditional church service. And so, you know, uh, I believe with all my heart that God will use this time and get glory and honor from it. Now, I want to ask our film crew, Chadillac, you come up if you will. Brother Chad is going to sort of inform you a little bit and some of you have asked about online giving how do we do that during this time? So Chad's going to come up and talk with us about that for just a moment. Hello. So there's three different methods you can use to give uh, to our church. So there's online and um, in the description of this video, there's a link that you can click uh, and that'll take you to our online giving portal. Um, It'll ask you to create a user account. Uh, That's just for our own church's safety. Uh, You can mail in your Uh, giving to our church's P.O. Box, P.O. Box 338, CUNA, Idaho, 83634. And if uh, if you're local and you would like to get your tithes in and you'd just like one of us to come pick it up, me or Pastor Nathan, come and pick them up at your house uh, at any point. So if you have any questions for online giving or any of those things, you can send me a message on Facebook, uh, comment on this video, and I'll be glad to help you in any way. All right. Thank you, Brother Chad. Uh, Lillian Adams is watching, Chad's mother, and so since we gave Chad some camera time, we're going to ask her to drop a sizable gift in the offering plate, and uh, this week we'll be thankful for that. I was telling our dear, beloved Mayor Steer what an honor it was to have the uh, world headquarters of the DV Herring televangelist ministries not in LA not in New York right in CUNA Idaho and I didn't know if that impressed him Chad said it depressed him so anyhow we're glad you're here you know you might as well have fun (laughs) a lot of a lot of our broadcasts seem to be more like funeral services when we get in front of a camera so I'm gonna try to keep that same wonderful humor before you that we do on Sunday mornings open your Bibles if you will And uh, we want to get right into the message in 1 Timothy chapter, uh, 2 Timothy, excuse me, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 is where we're going to read some verses this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1, all right? 2 Timothy 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I served from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy mother Lois and thy uh, grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, and is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I want you to notice in particular this morning, verse number 7. And I want to draw that, and we're going to discuss this verse in detail. And in verse number 7, look at that, if you will. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to talk with you this morning on the face of, of fear. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray today that you would work and bless. Lord, I'm grateful for every person that's listening today, and I want to pray for them. I want to ask you that you would bless as we study your word today. Speak to every heart. Wherever people are today, Lord, whether it be somewhere across the ocean or somewhere across this nation or right here uh, in the Treasure Valley, I pray that you would bless them I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would work in all of our lives, that you would edify us through your word today. I pray for protection and safety and watch care over each and every one. Lord, I pray that during this time, you would help us to be lights in a world of darkness, that we might share the love of God and the peace that comes from that mercy and grace that you've given us through Christ Jesus, and that we might uh, have the joy of sharing that with others. Bless today. Bless our study. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. March the 4th, 1933, the great nation of ours was in the midst of an economic crisis, the likes of which we had never faced before. It was unmatched in our history. And, and we were nearly four years at that time into what would become known as the Great Depression. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected President of the United States and and uh, he realized that the American people faced not only a depression of the economy, not only a financial depression, but also a depression of the spirit. Unemployment hovered near 25 percent and it was a very, very difficult and dark time in our nation's history. On that day, in his first inaugural speech, President Roosevelt addressed the people and made a statement that, that would forever be etched in the annals of uh, American history and, and political history in particular. He made this statement. He said, uh, let me assert firm belief that the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. He continued, nameless, unreasonable, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance president roosevelt realized that we could live so long under the heavy cloud of fear the realization that things were not only bad but no light at the end of the tunnel would would this ever end were we were we locked into a depression that would never lift a a cloud, a smothering, suffocating situation that the American people weren't really sure at that time, standing in the long soup lines and and looking for just the bare essentials to get by with. they weren't sure that that time would ever end. President Roosevelt dealt with the the paralyzing impact of fear. Psychologists tell us that there are four impelling motives in the lives of human beings. There's fear, there's hope, there's faith, and there, there's love. And they tell us that the, the, the stronger of those within the human psyche and the human body is, is, is the uh, motive of fear in the life of a person. Now we know that by faith that love conquers and, and that faith gives us our strength as we walk with God but, but, but in people that don't know the Lord, the greatest factor that motivates them is this factor of fear. In fact, Ann Landers, the syndicated columnist that, uh, that wrote many, many years an advice column helping people with their troubles, said that she received uh, 10,000 letters every month. And the one thing, the one subject that dominated all others was the subject of fear. People were afraid of losing their health. people were afraid of losing their jobs. people were afraid uh, of problems within their family and I want to just tell you that that people face fears today in this world in which we live and and in this time uh in particular, perhaps like none other uh since nine eleven people are afraid and and in one in one sense we're really facing a pandemic of fear right now. People are afraid that they or a loved one might get the coronavirus. People are afraid that they might lose their jobs. They're afraid that the government might take over their lives. There's a lot of conspiracy theories out there and people are just ranting and raving on social media. And I, I would, you know, I just encourage you not to get too wrapped up in all of that. Now, listen, I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you to take a vow of ignorance, but I'm just suggesting. That that I, I wouldn't bathe myself in in news all the time. I, it's just it, it, it can become depressing and overwhelming. And if 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 we do that all the time, we tend to forget that God is in control, that we are the children of God, and that that God is watching out for us. People are afraid of running out of essentials, and man, you get in a grocery store and people are looking for different necessities and. You know, you can hear a lot of grumbling and a lot of complaining and very few smiling faces. And people are afraid that they might not even have the basics um, that they need. And 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 people are talking about, you know, they're afraid that life will never return to normal. And so, you know, it is what it is, and things aren't ever going to be like they once were. And man, there's a lot of negativity out there. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't plug into that if I were you. We serve a God who can, and uh, I just want to know that, that I want you to know that God's able to do that. Now, let me say this about fear. children aren't exempt from fear. Um, in fact, I remember I remember as a child in elementary school the day that John Kennedy was was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. You know the thing that I remember most about that? I remember vividly to this day the fear. That was marked across all of the faces of the adults that surrounded me that day. I remember how I remember how unsettled we became. I even remember the the, the news broadcast on the old black and white TV. Uh, at my parents' home in Savannah, I remember listening to Walter Cronkite and others. And I remember the unsettledness that I sensed and felt. I want to tell you that feel, that children can experience fear. And if you as a parent are unsettled and you're fearful, uh, those fears are often passed on to your child. And, and so the supper table is probably not a really good place to talk about things that are going on. Children can't really process that like maybe we as adults can, and so we need to be careful. Behavioral psychologists tell us that children that spend four hours a day or more watching the TV are the most fearful of all. And so children can face fears. It doesn't matter your status in life, whether you're wealthy or middle class or on the bottom scale of finances, you can face fear also. Alfred Crump, a millionaire manufacturer of yesteryear, the head of a business empire, forbade the subject of death to ever be mentioned in his presence. He was so afraid of it. One day, while visiting his wife's aunt, um, his aunt uh, her aunt was suddenly seized with a massive heart attack and fell over and died in their presence. Alfred jumped up from his chair, ran out into the yard, uh, and, and just was so unsettled by it, his wife came out and tried to comfort him and And uh, it so shook him that he never spoke with her again the rest of his life. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are or how much power you have in your grasp. It doesn't matter whether you control uh the destiny of a of a financial empire and have employees all underneath you. Does it doesn't mean that you can't experience fear? Monarchs are not exempt from fear either. I read the story of Abdul Hamil, the second sultan of Turkey. he lived in what basically was a uh, virtual bedroom vault, and all guests were searched and interrogated, seated in the middle of the room. And he sat above, and And uh, while they <clears throat> talked to him, uh, he rolled around that overhead balcony. They could not see him. They could not get to him. He was afraid. He was afraid. I want to just tell you, the Bible says and. Luke chapter 21, verse 26, that in the last days, men's hearts will be failing them for fear. One out of every 20 Americans suffer from some sort of fear that possesses their mental facilities and and paralyzes them in some way or another. Our kids are afraid to mix it up with other kids. Our kids are afraid to get out sometimes and we're afraid to sing, we're afraid to teach, we're afraid to step out of our comfort zone. And so we start out on the bottom where we're comfortable and, and never challenge ourselves to do something more. We all, every one of us, we all know what it's like to be afraid at one point or another. We've all experienced fear. But the problem is some people set their tent there. They, they camp there. They set up shop there and rather than passing through a time of fear they allow fear to become a settled place in their mind and in their heart why is that i think there's several reasons sometimes it's because of temperament traits in our life some people are more they're more prone to fearfulness they're more prone to being depressed and discouraged by events in life maybe it's from childhood experiences they provoke us and 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 cause us to fear <clears throat> some sometimes as a parent, we can be guilty of so overprotecting our children <clears throat> uh, that they're afraid of what's out there, and in doing so, we cultivate their fears. Sometimes it's a traumatic experience and uh, that's happened in our life, and, and we allow negative complexes to settle into our being, and rather than being thankful to God that God got us through that very hard, very difficult time, we sort of settle there. And we, we ruminate that. We, we turn that over and over and over in our hearts and in our minds. And we speak of it often, and it makes it fresh to us. And, and uh, it, it, it can be a, a trauma experience in our life. I know of people very close to me that, that had a, a difficult experience swimming. They felt like they were drowning. And so because of that, they never learned to swim. They're afraid of the water and it's because of that traumatic experience. Sometimes it's just simply because of sin in our life. Not always, but sometimes when we get to the place to where we're not living in tune with God and his word, fear tends to overtake us. Sometimes we just don't want to embarrass ourselves, and so we're, we're, we're hesitant and afraid to step out and, and uh, be what God wants us to be. I, I think about Nehemiah, and what a, great, what a great story the book of Nehemiah is. I'm not going to have you turn there, but it's a great book to read later. Nehemiah had come back to Jerusalem to build the wall. You know how that, that uh, he set his heart to doing that. The temple's no longer in service, and, and Zerubbabel will come back, and, and that'll be all restored. Ezra will uh, come back and restore the practices of that temple, and um, uh, the city walls are in shambles. It's an environment that was a difficult one to return to, but Nehemiah had a job. He was going to build something for God. I have no doubt that Nehemiah was just like you and I. He wanted everything to go smoothly and uh, didn't, want any, didn't want any roadblocks or any difficulties. He wasn't inviting controversy or, or trouble. He just wanted it all to go well. He had a heart to do something for the people and something for God. And yet in chapter 4, Nehemiah finds out quickly that his enemies uh, were, were dead set on stopping him. They wanted to disrupt what God uh, had called him to do. And so they set about doing that. And it's interesting that the device they used was fear. There were no real attacks. There was nothing that they physically did for the most part, except they just sent words of discouragement. They tried to frighten him away. They, they wanted to make those who were, re- who were rebuilding the walls... Afraid, afraid that the work would be interrupted legally. Afraid that they might be attacked physically. Afraid that the king might believe the false report that they sent. Afraid that the opposition might destroy their unity. And the enemy knew that if, if they could ever put fear inside of them, if it ever gripped their hearts, it would debilitate them. They would never complete the task. Now let me just say this to you. If you allow Satan, who is our our great adversary, if you allow him to paralyze you with fear during this time that we're in, God's not going to be able to use you. God's not going to be able to use you to reach people and minister to people like God would have us do during this time. And so we have to be not only cognizant of the fact that we have an enemy, but we have to be aware of the fact that one of the great tools that the enemy uses to sidetrack us and to debilitate us is the factor of fear. And, and so if we're, if we're spending all of our time uh, worrying and fretting, we're going to allow Satan to cripple us and, and, and to sidetrack us with fear in these very unusual days that we find ourselves. And can, can I encourage you? Look, don't be guilty of spreading fear. Uh, be careful what you post. Be careful what you say. Don't don't be a newsboy for, for, for Satan's discouraging words during this time. Let's sound out the word of God. And let's sound out the fact that our God is still on the throne. Our God is able. I want to tell you this. Listen carefully. Our God is greater than the coronavirus. Our God is more up to date than tomorrow's newspaper reports. I want you to know that our God is not bound by prognosis and diagnosis and the medical experts. Our God is able, and so our faith—our faith—is in Him. And while all the political jockeying is going on, and all the all the the uh, conspiracy theories are are floating around, while everybody's pointing fingers, listen—we have the great opportunity today uh, to show the peace of God that comes into a life of people that trust their God. He is in control. God knows all about it. We just had a trip to Israel that we were departing on uh, April the 20th. It was canceled. Would you know this? Listen, God knew that long time back when everybody signed up, when the trip was planned and everybody got on board, God already knew the trip was going to be canceled. So rather than coming unglued and coming apart and feeling like things are out of control, we might as well just go with the flow and trust our God. Now now listen, God's not lost a handle. I love what Curtis Hudson used to say. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? And I want to just tell you that God knows what's happening. He knows where you are. He knows what your needs are. God is able to protect you. Now I do understand that God gives us common sense. And and that we, you know, we, we uh We're careful in our life. We wear helmets when we ride our motorcycles, as a dear friend of mine, Brother Bill Marshall, uh, posted from a a, a pastor in Tennessee. We do things that are common sense. We take our medicine on time. We're careful. There are safety things we have throughout our life. But in the long run, we have to trust God that he's going to watch out for us. Now, I want to talk with you about our text. I want you to look at that again, uh, if you will, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I want you to notice it talks about the spirit of fear. We both know, we all know, that fear can be a very, very beneficial and helpful thing. It is, it is that, that rush of fear that sends adrenaline sometimes throughout our system that God has created. And it gives us the ability to do things that within our own strength in power, we could not do. I've heard of people ripping car doors off their hinges in order to save someone because they were afraid, and and the fear gives us a a, a strength uh, that is unusual for us. But but the spirit of fear, that that time when fear courses through our body, not just at moments when we need our adrenaline, but when we're afraid constantly. What that does is that keeps that adrenal flow uh, in a constant source through us, and it damages our body. Uh, somebody did a study and concluded that 92% of all the things that people are afraid of never, ever come to pass. And so there's a lot of wasted energy, a lot of wasted times fretting and being afraid of things in our life. And, and uh, fear may come but we don't have to invite it to stay. Fear may visit us from time to time, but we don't have to set the table and serve it a meal. Fear can destroy us physically, and and, uh, that adrenaline flow can literally over time break down our bodies and destroy them if we're not careful. It talks about the spirit of fear. What it means when God says that He has not given us the spirit of fear, that spirit of fear means that that fear is controlling us. It's not that we have things we're afraid of, and we're controlling those. It means that they have now taken over our life. Our spirit becomes one of fearfulness. We talk about our fears. We meditate upon our fears. They interrupt us at night. They deprive us of sleep. Sometimes they, they disrupt our, our social life because, because we, we can't be around people because we're afraid and... Our fears are controlling us. It means we have become victimized by fear. Now hear me well. Listen to me carefully. That's not the spirit that God has given his children. If we allow fear to dominate the spirit of who we are, can I tell you this? That doesn't bring glory to God. God looks down at his children and he says to them, can't you trust me? Why are you afraid? Why are you living under the spirit of fear why have you allowed fear on the inside of who you are why is it that you no longer trust me as your heavenly father it hurts the heart of god when his children walk and live with a spirit of fear notice the second thing and that is the spirit of fear did not come from god first of all it's dealing with a spirit of fear in our life for god has not given us the spirit of fear well uh, God didn't give us that spirit. Let, let's do the law of first mention. Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 9 and 10. You'll find that l- law of first mention. If you want to study a subject in the Bible, if you'll go back and find the first time it's mentioned, not all the time, but most of the time, you'll find the purest definition of where that word uh, originated and what its definition is. And so the first mention, the law first mentioned for fear is in Genesis chapter three, verse nine and 10. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, and I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. So the first time we ever find fear is after man has sinned against God and, and has violated, uh, the law of God. And so many times in our life, the reason that we are controlled by fear is because of the fact that our hearts are not in tune with God. We're not trusting him as we should. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, Why, David? And he answers, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I want to just tell you this. If we're walking with God, if we realize the presence of God, remember this. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, dear friend, I don't care how things look. I don't care what the news is reporting. I don't care what's happening worldwide. Can I tell you this? Jesus will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He's there with you. And it is the presence of God that gave David comfort, even though he walked... Through the valley of the shadow of death let me give you another great scripture in Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Can I tell you that God's God's uh, power is he's able to give us perfect peace if we trust in him if we stay our mind on the Lord, if we focus on God and our our the, the power of our Father, Can I tell you that even in all of this, God can give you perfect peace if you trust in Him. And so God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. It doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from our losing focus on who God is and what God can do. The second thing that it teaches us this, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Of power. Okay, so it's not the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power. And so God wants that realization to overtake our life. Fear paralyzes power. But God wants us to be filled with his power. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, But ye shall be ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. In this time when people feel so out of sorts, they're so weakened by the things and the reports of the world. Can I tell you, that's the best time in all the world for God to fill us with His power and to make us witnesses. This is a great time to witness for the Lord, you know. Uh, In the grocery store, if you're looking for essentials, put a smile on your face. People may ask you what's wrong. I mean, they may say, you know, what are you so happy about? Well, just tell them, I know the Lord. And uh, I know God's in control, God's not out of control. Listen to me, dear friend. God Almighty, this very moment, God is on His throne. God has the power to watch out for you and watch over you and to take care of all these things that we're facing. I love Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 18 and 19. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, he's praying that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance inheritance in the saints. Now listen to this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Do you know this? God has exceeding greatness in his power to you and me that know him, that are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. God's got all the power that we need to face whatever situation we need. Can I just tell you, quite honestly, I've known that. I've faced that. There have been things in my life, as as I'm sure there have been things in your life, that have rocked your world. It's been an earthquake. Things that you never thought you would ever face. Difficulties and tragedies and heartbreaks. Can I tell you that God's power can get you the through the unimaginable, and even in these days when people are afraid, God has power to get us to get us through it. I remember watching Indiana Jones movie one time, and he was in the middle of a of a town. He's confronted by an evil-looking guy that's swinging a sword, and as that scene progresses, all of a sudden Indiana pulls out a gun. And pulls the trigger and and ends the debate immediately, yeah, can I just tell you so oftentimes we have in us power that we do not access. God has given us the ability to be overcomers, for we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, and yet so oftentimes people that should be overcoming. The things of life. We find ourselves under the circumstances. We ought never be under the circumstances. He's got power to make us overcomers, power to make us conquerors that we ought to avail and use for his glory. Not only has he given us the spirit of power, but he's given us the spirit of love. For God hath not given us the spirit of, of fear, but of power and of love. And so where fear cripples um, it internalizes us. Fear makes me internalize. Fear makes me feel sorry for myself. Fear makes me look at Dean. It makes me focus on Dean. Well, how how is this whole situation going to impact Dean? That's it, 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 pretty tragic, isn't it, when you think about it. People are, people are in trouble. P- people are dying around the world. And we're arguing and fighting and fussing and fretting over essentials and just just sadness in our world. Sometimes if you don't know the Lord, greed can really take over at a time like this. That's why people hoard stuff. They, you know, all the, all the essentials are off the shelf aspirin and paper goods. And man, it's a difficult time. The tragedy is when God's people react the same way rather than respond. We react. It should not be that way. People, who are most imprisoned by their fears are people that have internalized. And that, that tends to make us selfish when we look only at ourselves. Listen, what a great, what a great time. Don't you dare think that God doesn't want to use this hard and difficult time in our world and in our nation and in our community to show his love to people. He certainly does. 1 John four eighteen: there is no fear in love For perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in his love. Can I tell you something that love and fear cannot coexist? Love and fear cannot coexist. Sooner or later, one will cancel out the other. And normally because fear is of the flesh, the flesh always tends to dominate. And the spiritual side of love is pushed into the shadows. And rather than loving people, we, we live out of internalized fear. And it becomes, the story rotates around us and it all becomes about our self. Which one has won out in your life over these last weeks? Are you more loving because of this? Or can you honestly take inventory and say, you know, I've sort of gotten out of, I've sort of gotten off balance here. I'm more frightful. I'm more afraid. I'm more controlled by fear than I am love. God wants you, God wants me to have a spirit of love. Now, now listen, everywhere you go, every opportunity you have, speak love to people. Let them know that, that, that you know Christ is your Savior. Be kind. Give a kind word to people. Love people like you've never loved him before. Ask God to give you the spirit of love that you might impact a world that quite frankly right now needs a little bit of a pat on the back and a little bit of an encouraging word. You know, help people. Maybe you're in the supermarket and and um, maybe somebody's out of essentials and you're not. Why don't you stand in line for them and get them a you know, a roll of paper towels. I hate to use the word toilet paper right here, live on air, but there it is. Why don't you buy them some some things that they that they may need? It's a it's a beautiful and a wonderful time. Get get a stack, and if you don't have any, we'll bring them to you. A stack of our heart cards that we give out that. Just talk about this kind deed is given to you because we know God. and We love you and God loves you. Get a stack of our heart cards. And as you do those things for people, give them that. And let them know there's a church family that, that's here that loves them. It may be somebody that needs food. There may be somebody that's running low. It may be your neighbor. Listen, tell us. Contact us. Allow us as a church family to to be able to minister to people in our community that are hurting and in need. It's a great open door for us to do that. Last of all, last of all, and I'll close with this. And that is, he's not given us the spirit of fear. That didn't come from God. That came from Satan in the garden in sin. And even unto this day, all these years later, it infiltrates and it debilitates and, 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 and it stagnates people's lives. So that didn't come from God. But what God has given us is a spirit of, of, of power, He's given us the spirit of love. And then last of all, the spirit of a sound mind. And boy, do we need that today. You know what fear does? Fear depresses the mind. It suppresses the mind. It brings us to a place to where our thoughts are crowded. We can't think and respond properly. And our mind becomes unsound or unstable. Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, how do you do that? How do you, how do you allow the mind of Christ to get in here? How can, how can His mind become a part of our thinking? Well, we have, to fill his, we have to fill our minds with His mind. What is His mind? It's the Word of God. Read it like you've never read it before. Every day, read this book. When I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I sit down, and I've got a bowl of cereal, I've got my open Bible, and I systematically am reading through my Bible, allowing it to flood my heart and to impact my mind. Memorize the Scripture. I've got certain Scriptures that I'm memorizing now uh, that that will help me and be an encouragement to me. Listen, meditate on it. Meditate on it. Now, now look, you, you can sit down. We've got 24-hour news now. So it's nothing new. They're just repeating the same stuff over and over and over and over again. It's mind-numbing. So you can sit down and watch the news 24-7. Just get get all soaked into it if you want to. Or you can meditate on the Word of God and let the Word of God filter the things that you're hearing and seeing, and it'll give you a sound mind rather than a scattered and shattered in fear-filled mind, memorize the word of God. Let it let it rush into you. Years ago, a neighbor of ours was reaching down in our next yard when we lived in Georgia to pick up a pear, and a cottonmouth moccasin bit her. I'll never forget. I'll never forget that experience. They rushed her to the hospital and sent word back to us that we needed to get the snake because they needed to identify it so that they could develop and give her the anti-venom for it right there in our local hospital. Well, sure enough, we got the snake. We killed it. It was a cottonmouth moccasin, and they gave her the antivenom that saved her life. Can I tell you that the antivenom to fear, I've been afraid. I've had doctor's reports that shook me. And I mean, literally, it rocked my world for a couple of days. But you know the thing that Pulled me out of that. It was, it was the antithesis, the, it was the antivenom of fear. As I read this book, God's word encouraged me and edified me and built me. And it'll do the same for you. In The Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens wrote these words It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of light. It was the age of darkness. That's pretty much the way it is today. It's the, it's the best of times or it's the worst of times. I see people out on the green belt, people out in the uh, this just beautiful state of ours. I'm sure wherever you're at, you, you have outdoors these places you could go. I see fathers and mothers and children riding their bikes. People taking advantage of this time to spend together. It can be the best of times or it can be the worst of times. It depends upon whether we wear the face of fear or the face of faith. Our attitudes and how we receive these things are going to determine a great way of how we impact others. Now, now, child of God, listen to me. God, God knows this is true. People are watching you. And and they're seeing what's written across your face, your face. Oh, I pray that they see faith and not fear. If you're here today, wherever you are, and you're watching this live stream, can I tell you that Jesus loves you? If you don't know Christ as your Savior today, can I tell you there's a God who, who is in control, a God who gave His Son on Calvary's tree to die in your place for your sins, and He loves you so much that He gave all for you. And if you'll just open your heart today and ask Him to come into your life and accept Him as your personal Savior. Just a simple prayer of faith. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve hell. But I ask You to come into my heart and life right now and be my personal Savior. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ will save your soul. The Holy Spirit of our God will live, take up His abode inside of you. And He'll walk with you through the hard times and the good times of life. He'll be a friend that sticketh closer than her brother. If, if 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 that's your case and you need help, please reach out to us on Facebook. Send me a private message. I'm there on Facebook. And, and my email address is dv, as in Victor, dvherring at juno.com. You can email me personally, and I'll be glad to, uh, to be able to talk with you and share with you uh, for certain how you can come to know Christ as your Savior. Well, I love you. Thankful to everybody that that, uh, reached out today and connected with us. We'll be back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And we'll deal with an issue that's pertinent to what we're going through now. I hope you have a great week. One more time, if you need us in any way, please, please let us have the blessing of helping you and being a friend to you. God bless you. We'll see you soon.